0: Welcome to the Televerse, the just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. You're also kate to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen: comedy, genre reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's the show. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Halsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going okay. How are you this week, Kate? I just had some delicious almond milk yogurt, which I didn't realize was a thing because I, mm-hmm. I I have to, I have to go off of dairy for a while for a thing, and I've been like missing so much dairy so so hard. And I was mm-hmm. looking at things like, we'll make a lactose free smoothie. I was like, there, that's a thing. There's I can't, yeah. I didn't know this. See, I just because I just always just eat all the gluten and all the lactose and all like because I don't have have food allergies, so I haven't had to deal with any of this stuff, like, by right. getting creative. So anyway, so I, I'm on a, I'm a bit of a sugar buzz, because there was a lot of added sugar in that yogurt. I need to read the label more carefully next time.
1: Yeah, but my other question becomes then, like, are you getting these almonds, like, fresh from the source? Because otherwise, if you're not, you just shouldn't eat them. The almond yogurt? Yeah, just fresh from the source, because otherwise you're just doing yogurt wrong.
0: You know, what's the point if you're not picking the almonds from the tree yourself? Right. If you're you willing to just, like, it. open a bag of almonds and that's okay to you, then, yeah. listeners, we got some shade to throw. Uh, this week at the end of the show, we're talking about Chef's Table Season 4, Volume 4, which is their Pastry Chef Season. This dropped last week on Netflix, and there's uh, we're going to have a, a lovely conversation about it. There, There's a lot to really enjoy, and there is some utter ridiculousness as well which we are going to get into. So um and that we already sort of
1: previewed for you all in little case bit. you haven't watched it. A <laughs> little
0: bit. So uh that's coming at the end of the show. Uh we should talk briefly up at the top about two very different we're going to yes. have some total whiplash here uh topics in, in the news. Uh first off, uh, RIP Harry Anderson who of course everyone will know from Night Court, who played the judge um and was just such a delightful and warm and funny and just very kind and caring presence on that show and by all accounts was a great person to work with at least everything i've seen um any any thoughts on, on harry anderson
1: i love harry anderson um i watched night court for a little while um but dave's world was like a weird staple in my household for reasons i cannot explain to you right now mm-hmm. apart from the fact that dave Barry was very big in the 90s and so that was my primary exposure to him for a very long time, and I, I liked Dave's World when I was a kid, and so I really, I can't tell you anything that happened in that show, I don't remember a specific episode at all, but I remember him and his presence, and then like seeing him crop up on Night Court, which predates Dave's World, obviously, but in my television timeline it came after... And But also, like, he's he's a delightful figure on Cheers for, like, five episodes across its 11, 12 seasons as Harry the Hat. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just, he is, like you said, just a really warm performer in the limited amount of stuff that we got him in for a consistent amount of time. And so I was always really tickled when he showed up in stuff.
0: Yeah. I would be super down, by the way, for revisiting Night Court. I haven't seen it like, since the 90s and reruns, like, mm-hmm. I would be, like, the next time we're looking for an end-of-show topic, maybe we can pull out some DVDs and, and have some fun. That's Night a Court. good idea.
1: Yeah, I'd like to do that, too, because John Laird Cat's so
0: good on that show, too. Everyone's mm-hmm. really good on that show. Marky Post. Yeah, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- yeah. Th- look for that down-the-line <laughs> listeners. We're going to have some fun with Night Court. Um, we're also going to have some fun <laughs> here, very briefly, talking... Just about the craziest thing in just like random TV awareness pop culture like news that yeah. that's been it's been bubbling away for a while and finally yes. boiled over and that is that so y'all know Allison Mac who played Chloe on Smallville she's been like the number two at a like sex cult for quite for a while years. For years for years and years um like like
1: during the show.
0: Yeah, brainwashing and, and and like getting people to join in and allegedly uh using slave labor and uh pushing people into sexual slavery and branding them and all sorts of creepy shit. Um and yeah. she just got arrested.
1: She did and then, along with uh the leader of the um Yeah, that cult, happened um, that
0: happened first, like a couple yeah. weeks ago, right? Yeah. Keith um, Reneer? Ke-
1: Keith Renier, yeah, he got arrested like, um, not even a month ago. Like, yeah, you're right. It was not very long ago. And so she's also been arrested for it. And, uh, she's, she got Kristen Kirk. um, Didn't Kristen
0: Kirk get her in?
1: It worked either one of those one ways. One of those ways. But Kirk um, maintains that she never got to the upper echelons where all, this, all the sex slavery was happening. <laughs> uh, which is always a good qualifier that you want there. Um, but yeah, so if you guys are just curious about how all this played down, um, you know, just... Do some Googling. Just all you have to do is Google Allison max sex cult and you'll get It'll just so much right. information. And
0: we're, we're laughing about this because it just sounds It's insane. so bizarre. It's yeah. like, but obviously that doesn't take away from the actual trauma and pain that a lot right. of people have experienced from this. We're not, we don't mean to make light of that. Um It's just the, our response is coming from a place of this is. Absolutely, like you said, this absolutely bizarre. Because if, if you're someone who's just tangentially aware of these different television personalities and presences and actors and writers, all that stuff, and then you don't hear anything about them for a while, what you expect is like, oh, they went to do theater, or oh, they yeah. they pr- pivoted into a second career and now they're directing, or oh, not? No, they rose up the ranks at a sex cult. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, I'm glad that after because this this I say this has been percolating for a while because. Like, I, this would come up on Twitter every now and again. You know, a friend of the right. show, Latoya Ferguson, would, like, I would see it in her timeline, um, either from her or from other people post, you know, like, updating her on what was going on with that stuff. And, um, yeah. So I'm glad that, that it seems like they're, uh, the authorities are shutting that down. Um, yeah. Hopefully. She's
1: pled not guilty, obviously. But, yeah. Um... Because why would you plead guilty to that?
0: Yep. <laughs> so uh, we'll see uh, if there's yeah. an update. We will update y'all. But if you didn't know about it, <laughs> ha- go have fun go, going down have that fun rabbit on, hole, uh, that K hole, <laughs> yeah, that YouTube yeah. spiral or or whatever. However you get informed on that, um, we should dive in with our weekend TV. Here we got some. We got like there's just such a delicious overabundance of music to draw from there for was, this week. Yeah. It's very exciting. So we're going to listen to a little music from the week's TV, and we're going to come back with a truncated week in comedy and reality. We'll be right back after this. I heard him. He was singing along to the music at the bar. Do you remember what he was singing? I think it was that song, I Want It That Way. Backstreet Boys, I'm familiar. Okay.
1: Number one, could you please sing the opening to I Want It That Way? Really? Okay. Okay. You are my fire. Number two, keep it going. The one desire. Number three, believe when I say. Number four, I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Hey. Way. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Now, number five. I never want to hear you say. I want, I want it that way. Oh, chills. Literal chills.
0: It was number five. Number five killed my brother.
1: Oh, my God. I forgot about that.
0: That was a brief scene um, from the the opening of of one of this week's episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which featured a delightful uh, Backstreet Boys um, moment, I guess musical moment. Um, we won't be talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine, but I had to use the audio of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, boom, boom, Noel. Uh, we will be talking about Blackish, which had the, the big episode directed by Tracy Ellis Ross, 53%. Uh, we'll be talking about the finale of The Rundown with Arvin Thede, season one finale, I should say. A brief a conversation on Superstore, Gender Reveal, and then we'll move over to reality with RuPaul's Drag Race, The Bossy Rossi Show. So, first up is Blackish. And um, I have. I' have mixed thoughts about this. I thought it was a really well done episode, and uh I thought Ross did a else Ross did a, a terrific job uh directing. and uh, so I hope I look forward to her getting behind the camera more if if she's able to. um but I don't really buy what you have to buy for this episode to work. and that is that there has been. We've just never really seen it, but they they established in this episode that Dre and Bo every few years get into a serious funk in their marriage, like where they're really distant and fighting all the time. Like, we've never seen this before. And they want us to, to buy that this is a serious enough issue that they're, I mean, I appreciate that they're taking the last four episodes of the season to address a serious marital strife and potential separation and divorce between these two. But I don't think you get to do that at the end of your fourth season. I don't like and have it be something that we're supposed to buy as a a natural fluctuation in their in their marriage. Um, so I really struggled with this episode. What what did you think, Noel?
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that a lot of this was also amplified by the fact that I mean, you've been following my Twitter feed a little bit is that I've been I've fi- I've finished watching Mad About You. Mm hmm. And the fourth season of Mad About You um, culminates, basically, in Paul and Jamie's relationship hitting a major, like, roadblock. But what that season does really deftly is that it builds that sort of distance between the fact that Jamie starts working as a public relations, or her own public relations firm, Paul's working as a director for, like, the Explorer Channel, And they just don't have time for one another. And that comes through in their plots. Like they don't have a lot of time with one another. And it becomes tension in when they are together. And so, but that builds across the entire season to the point where the idea that both of them are potentially going to have affairs drives like the last three episodes of that season and leads, culminates into the season finale. And so to have this, have that really fresh in my brain when Blackish is just like, well that, but four episodes with very little setup. And I just went, mm, no. <laughs> um but like you, I like I really like this from an acting perspective. I think Anderson and Ellis Ross are both really, really good in this. Um and I do think Ellis Ross's um uh direction is really really good, but from a writing standpoint, asking us, like you said, to buy into this after four years of watching the show without a great deal of serious feeling marital strife, as opposed to sort of joking marital strife or standard sitcom marital strife is a stretch.
0: Yeah. Well, and also when, you know, like you talk about the thread in mad about you, they took, spend a season establishing stressors and, yeah. and, and, and paying that off here. Mm-hmm. Why is like, we're given no sense of why this is a bigger stressor than like, this time in their relationship than a previous time. Like, Bo's not working. She's staying Uh at home with the kids. Now, as someone who was fortunate and privileged enough to have her mom stay home and raise myself and my siblings when we were growing up, I know how much work goes into that, and it's a full-time job. Don't get me wrong. But if Bo previously found time to prioritize her marriage – When she was working full time and also raising all these kids, when when the other three kids were all younger at the same time, sorry, the four kids were all younger at the same time. Do they have five kids? Do they? Do they? Do they? Now the the other four are pretty self-sufficient and, you know, like maybe the twins need some. Diane's,
1: no, Diane's always been self-sufficient. Let's be very clear. Yeah, let's be very clear. (laughs) Like
0: there's, it's basically just the one, like there's no, there's no reason given why it's harder now and why what? this is a culmination of other issues. If they wanted to tie into, um, so, like, her postpartum depression, and and, yes. to, and and or maybe starting to feel resentment about the choice to stay home, and she wants to go back to work, but she has a hard time. Like, they could have done any of that stuff, but they don't do that. They no, just... they
1: mentioned the dog, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and they just got the dog, and right. they ended that episode with Andre being excited and happy about the dog. Yes. So, like, they just... I think that for... Like if I didn't know the show, if I just tuned in, I think it's a really well done portrait of a marriage in in conflict, and it, I yeah. love that they don't go for like, like they don't they don't introduce like cheat interests, you know, like side uh-huh. piece interests or anything. That's not yeah. what it's about, and that they do really establish in this episode how much the two of them care about each other, but just th- this disconnect. Um, I can't decide if it is a a more honest move or a cop-out that they do not sh- make one of them right or wrong about who takes care of the baby more. Like we don't, we like they, they present very different um, reads of how much they're contributing to the family yep. and the show. Ha- we have absolutely no information to go on as to who is Right.
1: Yeah, because the person who takes care of um, uh, the person who takes care of the baby the most is Junior. We all know this. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, neither of them. It's Junior. Um, yeah, it's 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 asking a lot, and mm-hmm. it's not asking. It's asking like it's frankly asking too much, especially like this is something else I was kind of grappling with with this particular episode is how much of this is just us. As like an audience in terms of we expect or sort of expect this kind of like groundwork to be established when you're about to pull this when pulling this kind of a thing would be out of the blue, just be like kind of part and parcel for sitcoms 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the degrees to which that landscape has changed and our expectations for this kind of stuff has changed is different, I think. And that I think influences how we think about the show, especially one that acknowledges its own sort of serialization by mentioning that we just got a dog by, but in this instance it does that, but it also doesn't do that because like you said, it doesn't feed into the postpartum. It doesn't feed into any possible resentments about her staying home. And so the expectation hopefully is that this stuff comes forward now that they've have that, The tune-up didn't work, that the date night didn't work, but it's stuff that really should have been plotted better, which makes me legitimately feel like this is something that's being done in a rush to cover themselves in the event that Ellis Ross has a reduced role next season.
0: And that's yeah, that's what I keep coming back to is right. how much that's of this what I is came back to. just yeah. oh um, she wants more money if we don't want to pay her she's gonna be around less I know let's then let's have her get right have them get divorced even though that doesn't make any sense for the characters even though even nope. if they did get divorced you know Bo would be like all over the, like their lives and specifically with the kids like yeah there's not like that's ridiculous. To think yeah. that that would be a a answer that actually solves their problem of not wanting to pay their female star as much as they pay their male star, um, so yeah, and that that's frustrating as well. It also seems, I mean, and granted, we've only seen the first episode of this four episode arc, but, but the trailer that they have out for the second episode makes it seem like they are separated and potentially not living together by the second episode of four, and that's way too fast.
1: Yeah, this feels, that feels super rushed. I didn't see the trailer for it. I tried to stay awake, and then I, I fell asleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's this line of of, of uh, Diane getting really concerned and upset and saying, wait, what's happening? Is this really happening? And mm-hmm. that's not something you include in the next week on trailer if it's going to be in the finale. So, like, yeah. who knows? It could be misleading. It, that's, trailers often are. Right. But yeah. I'm very leery. So while I absolutely appreciate this is a really well-made episode, a good episode of television, I I have a lot of problems with it as an episode of Blackish.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's fair, and I think that's I think that's really really fair. Yeah. And we're in the same boat on this. It's just, it, it's it is frustrating, and mm-hmm. that's why I kind of kept going back to that idea of like you're just covering yourselves, and that's all this is, and it shows. Yeah. It's- Kind of how I feel about it, even if I, like you, I do feel like it's legitimately a well-done overall sort of episode. It's just, you're better at this kind of a thing, show.
0: Yeah. Also better at this kind of a thing is the rundown, which had its finale, uh, which they centered on uh, Snatch the Seat, um, celebrating the women of color who will be running for for office in the fall. And I thought it was actually a really fun finale. I thought there were a few aspects that didn't really work. Like the dogs, like that didn't. That didn't. Ha- I didn't understand what that was. think like, I kept wanting them to come back to, to to why the dogs were voters, other than they just like they're like this is boring. We need something cute. Like it felt like something got pulled at the last minute, or I don't know. But th- so yeah. this this didn't sink the landing as much as you know stick the landing as much as I would have liked. But I do think yeah. overall it's been a really fun, solid first season, and I hope that it gets a season two. Do you know? Has it been renewed? Uh I haven't looked um i hope it gets
1: to season two as well um i was really excited about this episode because they're just like we're gonna devote our episode to this this topic and then right after we do the rundown real quick and i just went but you just said (laughs) just said (laughs) um so i was like hoping for like more sort of like profiles or that kind of thing but i appreciated that it was more geared towards activism in terms of like this is what you need to do this is how you need to do it also just expect long lines and prepare for that and that kind of a thing. So I liked that it was more sort of boots on the ground, sort of an approach um, that encompasses everyone who's watching as opposed to just doing a couple of profiles. Um, But overall I do feel like I can't can't believe we've done 24 episodes already. It feels like we haven't done that many. Yeah. Um, But it's been really good. Um, It's found a really good rhythm and the humor has gotten sharper and just, yeah, it's just been really, really good. And also without the rundown, I would not know that Chadwick Boseman was 40.
0: I Right. Just like. I would
1: not, I would have never known. Yeah. And my mind was indeed as blown as uh, Robin Deedy told me it would be.
0: <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the rundown? Things you'd like to see in a season two? Or do you want them to pretty much just keep what they're doing and make tweaks as they go?
1: I think that I think that the show allows them to do that. I think that making tweaks as you go is really the best way to handle, especially like this sort of a weekly weekly late night show, um, as opposed to overhauling it or anything. Um, I mean, I always zoom tune out for the pop out concerts, but mm-hmm. that's me. Um, but I think that there's I think that there's plenty of things for them to do. I think that the big thing that I would like, not all the time. But, like, in-studio guests, that kind of a thing, I think would be really fun. And I think Rob and has demonstrated a really good uh, rapport with that kind of a thing. And I would like to see that. Um, but, like, yeah. not all the time by any stretch of the imagination. Because um, that would get in the way of them doing, like, their field reporting, which I think is very, very good and very important.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully they'll just keep mixing it up the way they have been. I think yeah. it's been working for them. So, we'll see what yeah. season two brings, assuming, knock on wooden things that we get a season two Uh, over at Superstore. We had gender reveal and we got to talk about this briefly. I don't have much to say about the episode. I thought it was uh, the, the the Dina freak out. I thought it worked really well. Yeah. And uh, the Jeff and Mateo stuff, uh, I was calling for more of them, but this is just, it's a very familiar plot, you know, point for them, you know, uh, conflict in their relationship the the best part of that though was definitely um jonah and mateo's conversations about acting it's like yes what what don't you you get about this it's called acting um but what we got to talk about is the decision to to make amy pregnant um i really really wish they hadn't done that and and i was trying i was racking my brain trying to figure out why why add this in you already have like the dina surrogacy thing going on like in and, and and you know, um is it Chantal, the teen, right? She she had her baby not that Cheyenne. long ago. Cheyenne, sorry, thank you. Had had her baby not that long ago. Like, why are we doing this again? And then I had a little light bulb moment and Googled and Of course America Ferreira is pregnant. And that's why they didn't want to have to hide the pregnancy. But And it would have been really hard to hide on this show. (laughs) It would have been easy to hide on this show to stand her in front of a display, behind a display, all the time. All the time. They, oh my goodness, that vest. They could give them a new vest thing that zips. It'd be fine. Like, I think they could have hidden it easy uh, on the show. We do see a lot of shots of them standing around, but put her at the jewelry counter.
1: Meh. I I think it would have been really difficult.
0: But I think this arc is worse. And I yeah. think, and or, and like, I I, I do appreciate the how for, straightforward they are with, um, are we going to get an abortion? Are we going yeah. to the abortion place to get an abortion? Um, but I just don't, I don't ha- understand why she isn't getting an abortion. Right,
1: neither do I. And it's dictates, dictation of like the show. It's because like, America
0: Ferrera is pregnant. Right. That's why Amy right. isn't getting an abortion, and right. they've not done any sort of groundwork to make it make any sense for her. She like she doesn't even want to be involved with Adam at all anymore. Yeah, it's not even like she still carries a torch for Adam, and this is a way to be closer to him, and that's destructive and dangerous. But there's some, it's a reason, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just I I'd really, I really I I enjoy Superstore a lot, and I I think they've. They've had a, you know, just a really strong run, three seasons, like already. And I'm looking forward to next season. But I, this feels like a significant bobble to me. So I hope to be wrong and I hope to be proven wrong by them. But I just don't, or maybe they'll have her lose the baby that could happen too um yeah. and it, that's something that so many women deal with that, that yeah. very rarely gets the kind of coverage it should on tv um so maybe that's where we're headed but i just i'm not interested in, in in another however many seasons of of baby issues and um that being like the reason as they touched on this episode that amy doesn't do anything yeah so
1: it- yeah it it's just too much of like a uh non-textual swing and like you said it's not justified in the degree to which she doesn't want an abortion mm-hmm. or like there's not much of a discussion around it even though the joke is very very good of
0: all right cancel cancel round <laughs> <laughs> or even just like i need to talk to adam first kind of right thing. you know yeah, like
1: exactly yeah i just so I just... it's it's really it's frustrating and. The episode in general is really frustrating. The upside is that Garrett's very, very good in this episode. Yeah. His his Glenn impression is <laughs> indeed... <laughs> he sounds just like that. He does! And it's <laughs> really spooky. And then I appreciated that he was right for all the wrong reasons regarding the gender reveal party. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you're correct about all of this, but you're being correct for a wrong reason, my friend. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so I appreciate that, but it's also you're just you're just saying this, and I, I it goes back to Garrett just being like chaotic neutral type of thing, of like I'm just going to do whatever I can to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so Garrett Garrett really like steals this episode, but everything else is just sort of really sort of frustrating, and it feels even bigger of a wrench into the whole uh amy and jonah thing which is i'm feeling really bad for kelly at this point right <laughs> so bad and at least they um, didn't
0: have her like walk in see the
1: kiss I-, I was waiting for that to happen yeah
0: and that's that's a bad sign like i wouldn't have i would have assumed the show knew better than that yeah. like a while ago and yeah and i don't anymore so yeah exactly yeah. so that's not a good sign but We'll, um, we're going to keep watching, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's go over to our last show for We Can Come Reality, and that's RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, the Bossy Rossi Show. So we're up to our top ten, but they ended the episode down to top nine. I uh, stepped in over at the AV Club to cover this uh, for Oliver Sava, who was unable to, 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 to review this episode. So I, I reviewed it there. You can read my full thoughts there. Um, I have several questions for you. My first, okay. I seem to be out of step with a lot of well, at least the people that I've heard talking about this, um, about my reaction to the Asia drama at the top. Because Asia is frustrated that she helped all these other queens with Mm -hmm. their stuff, and nobody even asked her if she could use help as well, since she was obviously... They all were aware that she was helping so many people. Nobody even asked, hey, do you need a hand? Um, Mm -hmm. And for me... I was right there with her. And not that I think that they owed her that or that they needed to do that, but I could totally see why she is a little disenchanted. Like she stretched herself thin, helping all these other people and nobody even cared enough to take a look and see if maybe she would need help too, to return the favor. Uh, Like while you're sewing this thing for me, is there something I can do to help you with something that you're doing? You know? Um, And, uh, and I was really turned off by all of their super defensive responses and like the way that they just like turned like that on a dime on her as soon as she expressed not like blame or anger but just like frustration and disappointment. Um and that is not the response I've seen from other people. Other people seem to be totally think she's out of line and she's just uh that was completely irrational and, and inappropriate of her to to express. I don't know. What do what do you think?
1: As someone who to the point where, when I go out of my way to help people too much, some of my friends call me being too Noel. Uh, <laughs> I fully agree with where you're coming from and with it where Asia's coming from. Um, like, she's completely in the correct in mm-hmm. the right for me. Um, this demonstrates more than anything to me the fact that. Even to large parts of, like, the critical response or the audience response is bought into the, well, Asia, it's not RuPaul's best friend's race, dear. And it's just like, (laughs) no, it's not. But. But. Don't be an asshole.
0: Yeah. Like, no, it's not. (laughs) Someone's
1: doing you a good turn. You do a good turn back in some fashion or another. You're benefiting from someone else's hard work. You acknowledge that in some fashion. You help someone with that or you at least go, "Oh
0: yeah, you know what? I should have thought of that. I'm sorry." Right. You yeah. know, like yeah. that wasn't that wasn't very sensitive of me and I'm yeah. sorry. I'll, you know, like you not like it's your fault that she was on the bottom. She could have said yeah. no. She could have not helped you. She could have not offered to save your ass when you didn't know how yeah. to load a bobbin. So, yeah. But like yeah, I, so, okay, we're on the same page then, because I just thought yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, no, we're totally on the same page, yeah. And I, I was like, I, and I refer to it as a reverse Little Redhead moment, like, next time they have a sewing challenge, I look yeah. forward to, so i be like, oh, it's all sisterly help now, is it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I look forward to Asia just going,
1: I've got better things to do.
0: Yeah, I gotta make sure I got my, like you said, I didn't have to help you, so I'm not helping you, so go, yeah. you know. Anyways, Have fun with that sewing machine, to be girls. Be spiteful for a moment there. Um, okay, so that was my first question. Okay, um, what's your second question? Second question. I felt like this episode went out of its way to give a much less nuanced and interesting edit to Vixen and Eureka after yes. the the previous episode, which was their their fight. Like it, it seemed like they are like, ooh, Vixen is set up. Vixen is set up to do well here, and she's sabotaging Eureka, and then Eureka ends up winning, so like that, that's a nice narrative. So now we'll say that the fight with Eureka and the Vixen was, you know, Vixen overreacting, mm-hmm. which feels like a complete betrayal of what they had established in the previous episode and the episode before that when they talked about the White Queens getting away with starting a fight and then... Ma- turning around public opinion so that all of a sudden the black queens are the angry oversensitive, overdefensive over defensive ones um so that was yeah I, I it was jarring to me especially because their mirror conversation was again very nuanced and respectful and interesting um yeah. and so their mirror conversation didn't support the arc that they were building so i just felt that felt very i don't know I, I was disappointed in that what did you think
1: it led to the episode being really flat overall for me um this episode's like generally I think entertaining but not particularly compelling or interesting and I think a lot of that has to do with what you're meant with what you're discussing here is like the edit between the vixen and Eureka on like opposite sides of in both of their respective like parts here. But then like you said within the mirror conversation just, I don't know what's happening here, and I don't know what, like, again, what narrative they're building, and the result of that is just an episode that, for me, lacked a lot of energy, but also doesn't follow up with a whole lot of stuff from the previous week's encounters. And that led to just everything feeling really disconnected, as apart from this idea of maybe building some sort of Eureka Moment, um, for her, particularly with the whole. It's I left at the five week mark, and now I'm winning the five week mark, and that kind of a th- that kind of an arc where it just goes. I didn't even remember that it was the fifth week that you went out on until someone told me. Thank you for mentioning that because otherwise I don't know what's happening here. Um, so yeah, I am I'm, I'm again with you in that I don't know quite what I'm supposed to feel, and it does I think really serve to. Undercut the vixen to the point where it even comes through in like the performance of the Bossy Rossi show of like no one's really quite sure what's going on in that scene and yeah it just it feels like very much like an off day that threw off the vixen and that just doesn't come across in the edit
0: yeah well I appreciated her being very humbled by the end, you yes. can see, like, she's, like, really, she's taking in the criticisms mm-hmm. and, like, the, the things that she needs to, like, she seems very sober. Um, yes. and, and I, that's something that, again, I, I really, I appreciate the Vixen a lot. Like, like, that she's learning, right? She doesn't need to be told twice, it seems. Um, and, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next as as she continues to like her her journey on on Drag Race and and what she what lessons she takes from this and how she adjusts moving forward. It'll be very interesting. Um, but yeah, it was just like they you know they they just couldn't resist the narrative satisfaction of Eureka wins right. and like she she's playing a giant baby who yeah, demands attention. Of of course she's gonna do well with that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: funny, funny how that's not a conversation they really have, is it?
0: Yeah, well, and I don't need them to have that. We, you yeah, know, like I don't need the extra drummed-up drama for that. But, anyways, do you have uh, any any thoughts that you any issues are part of the episode you want to talk about?
1: Mm, it was weird that Doctor Pickle didn't end up being Jewish, but I'm glad that he didn't end up being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, not really. Um, the Untouched was super boring. Um, um, but yeah, I just, I didn't really get grabbed by anything this particular episode. Um, I'm, I'm glad Cameron got to meet. Shania Twain, though.
0: <laughs> I really liked the Bossy Rossi show. I thought that Ross Matthews was terrific. Right, and that's no surprise, I think, to anyone. <laughs> yeah, and and it just, it was sort of like surprising to me that I was like, have they done this before? I don't think they have. Mm-mm. I think the format it really suits them, where yeah. there's like working in pairs, they do much better than working in the, the larger groups. Yes, um, and and it tests like I appreciated that like Monet just as soon as she'd be fine because she's so much experience hosting, but. This is not hosting. This is character work. It's improv, yeah. but it's character improv. Yeah. She has. There are certain parameters that she's not used to having to stick with that she's got to for her character, and she has a really hard time. Um, And you could tell who had done their homework and who hadn't. So Miss Cracker yeah. did her homework, made sure that she had, like, brainstormed things to talk about and knew what she was going like, to, like, had a structure to what she wanted to do. Whereas the Vixen and Asia were just like were like Aquarian Miz and, and and Cracker and that's it. Like that was as much as they yeah. thought about it. And, and and it didn't work out too well for them. Um I would love to see them bring this format back in the future. Yeah. I think uh, doing
1: making yeah. this like sort of a regular challenge is a good idea.
0: Yeah. And and I thought there was plenty of, of fun stuff. I think most of the teams ended up actually by the end of their sketch raising the energy and having a good time and I, mm-hmm. I was I was certainly entertained. Uh, I and was giving not... them
1: a live student, giving them a live audience is huge. It's, it's huge. so huge. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Absolutely. Uh, did you like the Vangy? I thought it was really good. I love and it. It, was a, it was a really good, for me, that was sort of like a really high water sort of like they peaked really quickly with this mm-hmm. like sequence of like, oh, this was like kind of like the most entertaining of the two in terms of like the amount of energy that they started developing really quickly. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was very funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought the runway was the weakest one we've had all season.
1: Yeah, easily. Like, I mean, it's just it's oh, no one did anything really fun with denim. It's just like you guys had denim to work with and country denim and it's
0: just like this
1: was dull. Yeah. It was not it was not very good. And they uh, all it, seemed like very samey was the other big problem.
0: Super samey. And then like the two queens who didn't just do blue denim, yeah. one got like raked over the coals for it, which was mayhem, yeah. and one got plenty of praise and they didn't even mention that it was a different color so it was like yeah it seemed very unfair with that mm-hmm. and um and like of course if they're all pretty much using blue denim they're going to they're all within the same color palette and diamonds and they all went with just white diamonds nobody went for yeah. colored diamonds uh sparkles and it's just it was so samey samey and that lip sync I also was bad it, I'm, I'm sorry i for
1: listeners i'm nodding emphatically <laughs> um, i forgot that we're on an audio medium for a moment yeah no it was just it was really sort of like uh like monet just goes for all the stops immediately and i'm just like there's no build there's no build you just lost everything immediately like everything just drop the wig quickly you drop the entire clothes quickly and it's just like you're supposed to build <laughs>
0: yeah. for well, this and, kind of thing. And she starts out with, like, riding the motorcycle, which I get. That's in the music video. But, like... Yeah.
1: It goes on forever. You're just
0: standing there, like, <laughs> fake riding a motorcycle and just, like, standing fine. Like, that did not yeah. work for me. Um, the, the wig and the hairspray, like, the color dyed ha- red hairspray. Yeah. Like, if if your lip sync requires a knowledge of the video to be interesting... That's yeah. a problem. And then Mayhem went with the, like, sort of, like, joyful, abulent like, kind of, like, just beaming energy and, and happiness and warmth kind of way to go, right. which is basically what the song is. But for me, like, it's a, it's a really catchy, fun song. Don't get me wrong. I have no problems with that song. But it's, I don't think it's a good lip sync song because it doesn't it's build. Not. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't. It's, it and, and it sits back in the tempo, which is fun to, like, sway to. But it's too slow to really do too many like tricks or dance moves who're like mayhem does a cartwheel but even that just like doesn't really have that much energy to it because of the beat of the tempo of the piece there is no intensity so so mayhem like mayhem can serve face and intensity and fierceness like she did when she did whole uh celebrity skin but this song doesn't let her do that so i don't I, i just thought it was lackluster at best and a shame because both of these queens should be able to deliver on lip sync we've seen them both be really great at lip sync and it just did not come together this week yeah
1: pretty much i told you it was just a very flat episode
0: yeah anyways uh on that lovely note what wins your week in comedy and reality
1: um, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I think probably the Brooklyn 99 double header of and Dallas Fort Worth DFW, but also both of those basically just had me going when does gina rodriguez show up yeah <laughs> right <laughs> when is that happening for me because i need it right now mm-hmm. um but I, I i like both of those episodes i like the return of the Nutra boom not a pyramid but conical marketing uh, mm-hmm. organization and she's still alive <laughs> <laughs> and so i enjoyed both of those episodes and i think that those were probably the two that i enjoyed the most this week I think yeah, I think I'll give it to them. Uh, what about you? What won your week in comedy and reality?
0: Well, shout out to Mulaney on SNL who had some really fun sketches.
1: He did. He did that the that
0: lobster that, thing.
1: That diner lobster was really good. <laughs> it's very good. Anyway, continue.
0: Like I said, we had way too many options of music yeah. for this week's T V. Um but I'm gonna give it to Atlanta, which uh, had another mm-hmm. like fun but then also intense episode. And yeah. they are not kidding around with Robin season. No, you know, they are
1: not. Don't leave the city, everyone. Don't leave the city. Don't,
0: just don't leave. Just stay. Yeah. Anyways. But uh, also, you can't stay in your apartment. Well, yes, that too. But let's just like, just hang out with Darius and don't let Darius leave the, yeah. the, the city and then you'll be fine. Yeah, just You're go fine. to the
1: Varsity, guys. Just go to the Varsity. Yeah. Everything will be fine. I mean, you won't feel fine if you go to the Varsity, but you'll just be fine.
0: You'll be fine. It'll be okay. Um. Now we will take a break and come back with our week in genre you the president you get your power from our consent it's not just a figure of speech if you do something you shouldn't do the constitution will deal with you
1: congress has power to impeach republicans and resign just in time, obstructing justice, perjury, emoluments, Russian puppetry, treason is also a crime.
0: That was "Nobody's Above the Law," sung by Jonathan Colton in at the end of this week's episode, the animated um, "Schoolhouse Rock" video that they did for this week's episode of The Good Fight. For our weekend genre and drama, we're going to kick things off with "Black Lightning" and its finale, "Shadow of Death: The Book of War." Then we'll move over to "The Flash" and "Lose Yourself." Then just a just a mini rant, just just like. We're just, they've got, there's one thing we got to talk about with iZombie. Don't hate the player, hate the brain. Um, the Supergirl shot through the heart. Riverdale, a night, char- sorry, chapter 31, a night to remember. Again, a couple thoughts on the good fight, day 450, and we'll round things out with the terror. First shot of Winter lads. So first up is Black Lightning. And I thought this finale was lovely. I thought mm-hmm. it was really, really strong and uh, brought everything, like, a satisfying end to the season and still plenty of threads for next season. But um, having so much of it be, like, slower and these flashbacks... Um, waiting until the finale to really get a give us a sense of Jefferson's father. I'm not. I. It would have been nice to have this connection to him earlier, but it did let us this finale really pack a punch. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was a really strong. You know, culmination.
1: I did too. And even if sometimes I ended up sort of feeling like we got a pilot season. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a season of television. We got a pilot season in a lot of ways. It felt very Netflixy. Um. sometimes. But I didn't care. Like, I mean, this is something that we've kept coming back to, especially for me, whenever we've discussed it, is like any of the, like, larger sort of faults I've had with Black Lightning in terms of how it's handled its villains or how it's pivoted to certain different things. It's just like, I don't care because... Because Cress Williams. They, because, A, Cress Williams is just a charisma neutron star um but also there's just this sense of there's like you said it's just really lovely and joyful in a lot of ways and so the decision to focus so much of the action around this family plus Gamby as Mm. a part of this family is really good and how they work through stuff in this moment of crisis as a family and not even like a big bad face-off crisis because we had that already it's a there's just a bunch of SWAT guys that we can very easily handle <laughs> sort of crisis because the emphasis is on what the season has been on, which is the pierces and how they relate and connect to one another. And that's the fact that the show recognizes that and maintained that through line throughout basically its 13 episodes. is just it's so good because it demonstrated that the show knew what it wanted to say and knew what it wanted to be pretty very quickly and that's just so nice to see in a show in its first season and that's getting a second season which is very exciting and so like you said and without really giving up too many of its plot threads apart from well greg henry's dead but that's 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 fine um i i really thoroughly enjoy that we've just as a television society decided that greg henry is the avatar of trumpism on television i think that's lovely because he leans in so hard on it Mm -hmm. but there's still tobias to deal with um there's still the rest of whatever like vague remnants of this government conspiracy to deal with so there's still lots of really good things for them to engage in now um with a world that avoids all the other major problems of a superhero show, of which, well, we have to hide our secret identity from everyone, and now literally the only person who doesn't know is the cop and the villain. That's all, mm-hmm. and that's that's really all you need. And so they they find themselves on really firm ground going into season two, I feel
0: like. Yeah, definitely. E- even they save the reveal of the vice principal for mm-hmm. whenever it's effective for them to use it mm-hmm. next season. And for both of them, you know, she yeah. thinks that Jefferson has been exonerated and yeah. obviously he has no idea. So there, there's those, I, I was certain that the students, like the would all be like saved or like the, the kids, you know, in the pods. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And they're, that's still, you know, they, they, they've already, was it they said the four stage two People or yeah, whatever.
1: Something like so that, yeah. that.
0: There's still more with that. Um, it's, it's very tidy when they're like, haha, you're off books, and it's not actually the government doing this this time. Right. You know, like, that was very convenient. <clears throat> yeah but they can totally the government there's more they can do with that next season if they' yeah. want to or the, when they next want to go back to that thread um yeah. and I thought that you know like the even just like the editing of the fight scenes worked really well. I liked again the return to the use of music um throughout the episode, which was you know used the same approach that they did in the the pilot, which is not always something that these superhero shows do as well. like there's usually like a strong, like stylistic statement in the first episode that they don't spend on <laughs> to achieve yeah. later on, but I thought that that, that they did here. Um, and staying like you said, staying so very centered with the nuclear family plus Gamby, um, really <laughs> let them just it, again it's sort of like like you said, a pilot season, a mission statement of the show. Yeah. So yes, there are all these other interesting characters, there's you know, other stuff going on, but. At the end of the day, we care more about whether Jennifer's on board. And apparently now she is. So, yeah,
1: And I mean, like, semi-kudos to James uh, Remar, who has to deliver a massive amount of exposition about Mm -hmm. Tobias and Cyanide. And it's just like, wow, all of this in just, like, five minutes. And it's also the finale. And you're just now telling us what the deal with the henchwoman is.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Well, and I think that that character, Gamby, has improved a lot in the past, like, handful of episodes yeah yeah i mean there was no
1: place to go but up <laughs> that's true
0: <laughs> super very legit yes i agree however i'm glad that they're at least yeah headed there um any other thoughts about this episode or about the season or what you hope for season two
1: do you want them integrated into the arrowverse in like a proper no. way or no yeah no i no. mean like
0: it, it can they can find a reason to have them yeah like they can have Cisco. Do something, but like as, yeah. as the actress who plays Anissa, delightfully shaded at uh, lexicon Um, oh, I didn't see, yeah, this. they could oh. do a crossover, but I mean, let's be honest, is Kara Cam- Dan- Danvers gonna go to Freeland? <laughs> no, she's not, yeah. Um,
1: but they know who's super, they have a Supergirl, if not on that earth, on their earth, they have a vixen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Kara Danvers is not gonna go to Freeland, yeah. Um So, uh, But I also hope that, like, the other reason why, like, I mean, I'd perfectly be okay with it, but then, like, that becomes, I don't want them to move to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I think them being based in Atlanta makes a huge difference in what they're able to show and how they're able to show it and what they're able to tap into, especially just on, like, an actor accessibility level of when Vancouver doesn't have super diverse set of extra
0: sometimes and you kind of need that with this show (laughs) yep yep you do well and even just like there it's that thing where you watch especially like we talk about like is that a canadian show or is that a sci-fi show or what is that where there's a set of actors who are in the vancouver area who show up on all the shows that film there and generally do a very good job but you get very used to seeing certain faces and certain um stylistic approaches to performance yeah. um based when, when you're always drawing from the same pool of talent it's like the thing with the walking dead where like every actor <laughs> who lives in atlanta at a certain points like when when yeah. you do your like 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 with um law and order and good the good uh, wife filming good, in, yeah. in uh, like, new york yeah, yeah. Just, you get your sad card yeah yeah so so i would love to see all of the walking dead cast pop up on on mm-hmm. uh, on uh ah! Black lightning. Uh, black lightning. So, <laughs> let's see if we can make that work. Uh, let's move over to our next episode and The Flash Lose Yourself. So, okay, so we know now why we spent all that time with Ralph. Yes. <sighs> Cuz the show is just very obsessed with doing the same thing that they've done every year. Like, what can we how can we find another way to have the bad guy have been on the team the whole time, who was really their friend, but not their friend. Well, let's make it not him, but he looks like him when he wants to. Um, I mean, on some yeah. level,
1: I was a little tickled that they decided to take the obvious Andrew Kreisberg character. Yeah. <laughs> and make him the bad guy, but also I feel like this was, like, the goal the entire time, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, it was just, it was kind of like, meh. and also, DeVoe, you got a haircut! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just kind of meh, and I just, I wasn't, I'm not excited about whatever Enlightenment is, or whatever bomb, or sm- literal smart bomb, maybe, who knows, mm-hmm. that DeVoe's cooking up. Um, It's just, it's just boring, and I want to be excited about The Flash, and I am not excited about The Flash, and I wish I were, and... I like the idea that the, he needed all that Devoe needed um, D- Dibney's abilities to be trained and everything so that he could take over that body at the opportune moment to keep stretching his, to keep track of his intellect. And I like yeah. that as like a comic book level. I think that's very good and very clever. But it's also just like the episode itself is just really exhausting in terms of the whole lose yourself sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, we don't kill here. And it's just like, you guys iris shot (laughs) yeah future barry savitar and we're not even bringing that up in this episode at all we're just pretending that didn't happen i just went no that 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 happened Mm -hmm. we've had this conversation 80 times on this show at this point yeah
0: yeah well and just there's five episodes left i know it's just like too many yeah what do you do
1: what what are you gonna do in five episodes that you haven't already done
0: we know um, how it's gonna end. It's gonna yeah. end with the the wife, you know, breaking through yeah. the thing and and ending him somehow. Like that's how it's gonna. That's obviously how it's gonna end. Yeah. We've been saying that for which will be exciting quite when that a long happens time after the lemonade recipe thing. After the lemonade recipe thing, like that was and that was very well delivered and yeah. paid off. It's like super that was super, good. yeah, uh, satisfying and and but but now we've got to wait five more episodes for them to basically do that again.
1: Yeah, like plus pay off a bunch of Gypsy and Cisco stuff, which is, like, what's going to start coming into the forefront now. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't care about that. And
0: it's just like... Well, and, and and now Harry is will be, you know, either damaged or... Right. Like, I was like, oh, man, are they going to have them take out Devoe? And then now Harry, having been pushed to use the dark matter, is going to be the supervillain. And again, Tom Cavanaugh's yeah. now the bad one. Like, I'm not excited about any of these different threads that they're, you no. know, running towards. And it's... And,
1: yeah, they're even repeating themselves to a certain degree with, like, I haven't seen it, but just with the trailer for the next episode, it's just like, oh, well, we need to transport a villain, and we need to call Captain Cold, and I just went, well, not this Captain Cold, they're yeah. calling Leo yeah, um, Captain Cold, um, but it's just like, you guys did this in season one. Yeah. You did this in season one. <laughs> not
0: looking forward to it.
1: Not looking forward to it, as much as that is probably Wentworth Miller's, like, last episode on this show franchise for foreseeable future but Mm -hmm. it's just like you guys did this already and that episode's very good
0: (laughs) yeah i did think that you know if you're gonna kill off dibney i thought they did that pretty well and yeah the actor gave a good performance and everything but it's just like this is not worth because they 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 weren't gonna kill wally basically right so no that's why they did this but yeah it just seems like a lot of work to get to this point and yeah Unless we are very surprised by some new right. developments. Which hopefully, which is, that'd be lovely. Hopefully, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not super enthused. Um. Okay, speaking of, iZombie. Yeah, I zombie- now, like,
1: you said that there's one thing to discuss. I feel like there are multiple things to sort of dig into. But okay. let's talk with, like, the the big one that you want to discuss first, because you're correct in this and it's very frustrating even if there's a narrative reason for
0: it on some level except that the show doesn't
1: really explain it (laughs) yeah
0: okay so uh the episodes don't hate the player hate the brain um of Eye Zombie, yeah, yeah, Eye Zombie, yeah, and it, the 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 number one issue I have with this episode is the complete character assassination of Major that happens. Like they've done this before; they've like towed up to this line before with him, but yeah. having him shoot up a, a a like a newspaper and then like having him just completely ditch any sort of morality and values that we've been led to believe he is full of. Out of nowhere in this episode, like like at least they pushed the conflict of him like uh, zombying that yeah. w- that woman r- recently. But like this is out of nowhere. It doesn't fit with the character, and it's just it's a, it, like this kind of thing that you can't. I don't think you get to walk back from. And I also think it's irresponsible if they intend to walk it back in the current political landscape. I get that what you're going for, but like you don't yeah. get to make someone shut down the free press and then make puppy dog eyes at live, and it's OK. Yeah.
1: And I mean, the idea that this is intended to sort of shift his profile a little bit so that he can get in good with whatever this weird informant thing that is happening with um, Fillmore Graves is just like. But you're not connecting those dots at all. No, and you're not demonstrating, like you said, some sort of tension and struggle within Major about what's being required to do this. And I mean, there's a degree to which that this has been happening because he's very happy to sh- like get shoot up that uh, that non-zombie bar um, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, um, and so he was very happy to do that without really any justification beyond needing to get that tape of that tape that video recording video, yeah. of the um of the scratching mm-hmm. um but it just this feels like a weird escalation of that in without again like you're saying a lot of character work and that's become sort of for me like part and parcel of the show this season in general is that there's just not a lot of character work being done like live entirely like i have no idea why Liv is doing anything that she's doing at this point yep And it's very frustrating for me as much as I like a lot of these elements and like this more overt, like you were referring to this more overt political tone that the show has given their new setting and everything. They're not doing anything with that. They're not explaining any sort of inspiration or shift in ideology here that is motivating any of these actions. And it's deeply, deeply frustrating, especially when we're almost at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. So what else did you want to talk about for this episode? The, just that. It was yeah. just
1: like an extension of that. It was just like Liv's character actions okay. don't make a lot of sense. And also just like, I, I, I don't like that Liv has decided to tan and die.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I get that Rose McIver is probably very tired of that wig and that makeup. So mm-hmm. I understand. But even like them lampshading that a little bit, I was just kind of like, eh. And her romantic interest in that guy is just i don't understand it at all so it's just it's been bad i don't want it to be bad
0: yep yep okay let's move stop looking so
1: vindicated kate
0: i'm just like (laughs) i'm not happy that it's you know making some questionable choices um speaking of questionable choices (laughs) supergirl shot through the heart. I warned wh- you about this. You did, <laughs> and thank you, and you were 100% right. So, it is one thing to do a crossover musical episode mm-hmm. and to not feature half of your cast who are really good singers because, basically, your entire cast are really good singers. Like, I get it. I get it? Yeah. If that That's one thing. It is yet another to establish in canon that half of your very good singers are bad singers. Come on, why, why you gotta do that to poor Kyler Lee to Chris Wood? Like the guy was Prince Eric in the touring company of the Little Mermaid. He can sing, and this, ugh. And then, you, and then you promise us, you promise. Well, okay, but if nothing else, we're gonna give you Jeremy Jordan doing "Take on Me," and then you don't even deliver with that. When at the end of the episode, like you could at least have him be like joking, but he obviously has an amazing voice. They don't even do that. Come on. Yeah, it's deeply, deeply frustrating. And,
1: like, friend of the show, um, Allison Shoemaker, talked to Jeremy Jordan over at, um, I want to say Comic Book Resources, or ComicBook.com, mm-hmm. one of those. I get them confused. Um, and Jordan basically said one of the reasons he took this job is that he wasn't going to be expected to sing ever. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like, well, I didn't really want to sing anyway, so this is perfect. And it just went, Jeremy, this is not okay. <laughs> we came here for you to sing and you didn't sing, mm-hmm. and it's not okay. It's and, I knew, like, and, yeah, and, I, and I knew like
0: miscast again.
1: Yeah, and and I knew like I watched this episode a week before uh, Kate did, so I, I texted her. And I was just like, "There's something that's going to happen in this episode of Supergirl that's going to make you very upset in a silly way, <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be very upset." Yep. And. I appreciate being right because I was very upset. I was just like, "No, this is not okay. This is not okay at all." Yeah. Um The episode as a whole is perfectly fine. Um, I like the reference to Monel's um, um, Legion of Superheroes cape stuff. Mm-hmm. It was very good, and he's going to get that outfit like next week. Um, but I like that. I thought that was really amusing, and I like anything that involves people fighting a giant dinosaur. But, um, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Laurie Metcalf is really good in this episode, though. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it was, the karaoke is the most frustrating part of this episode. Um, how did you feel about all the, um, all the stuff with Jean's dad? Um, because I think that Carl Lumley just ails it. Yeah, Um, he's really good. But that just kind of also goes without saying, because he's Carl Mm (laughs) Lumley.
0: And he's always terrific. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm saddened by Space Grandpa having troubles. (laughs) If only because it means we're likely to get less of Space Grandpa. Yeah. Um, But I enjoyed what we got here. And I really appreciate the, uh, the dynamic with with um alex and and Mm -hmm. john and and how they continue to develop that and the show has had a very strong memory to their relationship preceding everything else which i Mm -hmm. appreciate um yeah so we'll see we'll see what happens with that uh it it, you know it's something else for space Dad to play i guess um but i would you know I want Carl Lumbly to be around doing awesome fun things on the show um mm-hmm. and not just doing that thing that they cast characters elder parents even though he's you know like physically same, but the character's a lot older you yeah. know they bring him on to 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 play but We'll see. Uh, Lori Metcalf Metcalf is terrific. I like that it's not just assumed she's going to just be around all the time. I like that she is ready to give him space, which is good. Um, And, yeah, like I said, I'm just going to have to go listen to Jeremy Jordan singing At Me's cast again because he destroyed With She Used to Be Mine. Have you watched that yet?
1: No, I haven't. Do
0: you know? That's the song. That's like one of the big songs from Waitress. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the main character singing to herself and to her baby a song of love and loss of herself. And okay. it's absolutely gorgeous and amazing. And do you know what Miss Cast is?
1: Oh, no, Ms. no, no. I do know what Miss Cast is. Okay. No, I do know what that is. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, for the listeners, that's where they it's a gala like fundraiser thing every year where Broadway stars get To perform songs that they would normally never get to do because it's like right, they're yeah. the wrong gender or the wrong age or the wrong ethnicity or whatever. Um, you can find um, the these three kids, like this was like three Billy Elliots did the Skyler sisters or something. Um, yeah, like yeah. there's a bunch of different, yeah, uh, really Jonathan Groff does anything goes and it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so go seek that out if you want to hear Jeremy yeah. Jordan just crushing it recently on a vocal level. Um, also vocals we should discuss uh quickly riverdale had chapter 31 a night to remember which is their musical episode um which I, props to get in the musical episode out in season two which a lot of shows wait a lot longer before they get that they, approved. they
1: do a lot of music on this show anyway so when they said that they were gonna do a music episode musical episode i just kind of went that makes sense mm-hmm. i didn't watch this though because i've abandoned the show because it was getting really bad Um, so, I'm glad you watched this, though.
0: Yeah, no, I've seen the first episode and this, and that's it. So, um, I, and I do not know Carrie the Musical at all, Mm -hmm. um, which is an actual musical that bombed and immediately closed, Like, like, I think it closed after the first night, opening night or something, it's a notorious flop in Broadway history, but, um as I understand it, these, all the songs in this are from Carrie the Musical and they were used um, the show within the show, but also just as the characters getting dressed and very once more with feeling um, from okay. the Buffy Musical kind of approach. But I think that works well and I think for the most part they can all sing uh, some of them yeah, less well than others. But yeah. but I on the scale of TV ap- shows that aren't musicals doing musical episodes, I thought it was really good. They, they, did, a good, they did a good job. Um, I'm not super invested in any of the drama, but I feel like if I had been this would have worked for me so i was happy to spend the time and shout out to riverdale for turning in a pretty darn solid musical episode and doing it with like good songs interesting quality songs that some people like the nerd the broadway nerds out there would know and love this and Mm -hmm. everybody else would never have heard of it so now they can go discover that so I I, i appreciate that choice it was also probably really cheap to get the rights to that that probably didn't hurt. Um yeah, but anyways, so let's move on to the good fight. Uh I have two things to say about the good fight. On yes. the music level, I did very much of course enjoy the Joko song um featured as we got into the segment. Um though my I greatly prefer the um the one they did on Blackish. The the, the Roots did, yeah. that was a better schoolhouse Rock yeah, parody, much better version, stuff. yeah. But um, my only other thing with this is I've been enjoying the season so far, but like that ending, are you kidding me with that ending? Now after the fakes Maya sex tape, now we're going to have a real Maya sex tape get leaked out there. Ugh, I'm over it.
1: Yeah. It's very, it's very stupid. And I don't care that they're clearly supposed to be intoxicated. It's just like, you know, there are cameras in there. You know that that's the entire setup. So there are cameras in there, so that the DNC... Could watch the lawyers argue about impeaching Trump and the best way to do that. That's like, why the glass is frosted. Yeah, it's just like, guys, this is very stupid. And I know that Maya doesn't know that they're there, but what's her name knows. Mar- Character actor Margo Mattendale's assistant knows. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's very deeply frustrating and it's very deeply stupid. Um, and yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, this season has been fine for me. Like, it doesn't feel particularly essential. Um, I'm enjoying it, but, like, I feel like there's not a lot of, like, necessarily, like, a lot of energy in the show in terms of, like, what they're doing this season. Um, But it's just been... It was just very upsetting, very stupid. And so I was just kind of like, meh. And I think that the other reason I was, like, really frustrated by it, apart from just plot logistics of, you know, there are cameras in this room, is that I don't care about Maya's relationship with what's-her-name at all.
0: Fiance? Wife?
1: fiance I think I think I don't remember I just don't care about it and that's why I don't remember because it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. and so like that we're at we're doing something to ratchet up that tension or ratchet up that plot line now that Maya's family is pretty much off the board it's just like well, no, you you do what you're supposed to do as a law show and put her in a courtroom or put her in depositions or something for the love of God. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that. There's just this weird resistance to doing that. And it's just it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, I also am not super stoked as much as I appreciate Kush Jumbo getting more to do. I'm not super stoked turning her into Alicia Mark, too. Yeah,
1: that's that's not great either. Is and again, like even like the idea to cast like Michael Ian Black as some sort of campaign manager, and I just go, oh, we're doing an Eli Gold sort of s character without being mean to people, just being kind of obtuse.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which like, I enjoyed the performance, and I enjoyed yeah, Michael Ian Black. Yeah, it's a very but, good
1: performance, but, but again, yeah.
0: we've seen the show. Well they've seen the show's predecessor do stuff like this a lot right
1: this is like super early version of it like even to the point where um morello's mother feels like a a version of jackie
0: yeah so eh. yeah okay well let's cleanse the palate i i use it with some horrifying terrifying uh, drama Yeah, let's and, talk about polar bears uh, talk about polar bears um the terror uh, first shot a winner, lads. So this is the fifth episode of the of the season and be, we haven't talked about this one for a while you're all caught up i'm all caught up yeah this um, is entirely
1: my fault <laughs> well, well
0: and the it's been a strong season right it's, it's, yeah shit's intense
1: it's very intense and like i mean we were really praising um heinz for like mm-hmm. the first episode because he's very first couple episodes and then it's just like oh well i'm glad you guys felt that way he gets sucked into a hole
0: yeah like,
1: what no it's very good and i'm really enjoying the the ratcheting up of the tensions with like harris's character being like guys i need a detox so um someone else is in charge and it's, it's like, gonna this be is, bad for a while it's gonna be so bad it's mm-hmm. gonna be very very bad Um, plus everything else that's going on with, like, the food supply, um, with the lead poisoning, like, all of it is very good, and I think it's being handled at a really good clip, without feeling like it's moving too fast or too slow, it's just being really, it's being handled, all of it across the board, really, really effectively.
0: Yeah, and the the, the balance of interpersonal... Like Mm -hmm. the real monster is ourselves and no, the real monster is the monster. Like there's a good balance of that, (laughs) um, which I appreciate. The, uh, I think they've done a good job with Lady Silence and the various animosities surrounding her. And I think everything they've like earned all of that back and forth. Mm -hmm. The stuff with uh, the like just like the the sound effects and the foliage like of the creaking of the ship still as the ice shifts and all that stuff is continuing to be very atmospheric and effective. And the performances are just terrific. So, you know, it's been it's been super fun. I'm glad we haven't gotten that many flashbacks either.
1: Yeah, I mean I I sort of like that we had a semi flashback of the two women going like, "So, we haven't gotten letters in a while. What do you guys intend to do about that? Also, we know that you didn't want my husband to do this expedition in the first place. So, let's have a chat about that too." Yeah. And so I really liked how that played out, but like you said, we're not getting a lot of these, and so they're more they're providing a little context when they're necessary without overpowering everything else, which is really important because They're providing context is really all that they're good for.
0: Yeah, we we need to stay in the immediacy of the action. Right. And that's working well. I think they're also skipping time at an effective pace and making sure that we don't get too bogged down in the minutiae in the day to day while still showing the effect that it's having on all Mm -hmm. the men. Um, Yeah, any other thoughts? Anything specific you want to mention about the terror besides, you know, y'all should watch it if you're into this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, and sorry for that spoiler, but. um... Ah, it's okay. It's a horror show. Yeah, it's people not surprising. There, there's yeah. three
0: big name stars in the and polar bear killing everyone. So, I mean... Yeah. People were yeah. people are going to get nommed. Yeah, pe- um, people can get nommed. But, but
1: speaking of the polar bear, I mean, like, I'll recycle this joke. It's just, I'm really glad that we know where the polar bears from Lost come from now.
0: Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yep.
1: No, I know that Lost explains it, everyone. You don't need to add hey, me. Don't, you don't. Yeah,
0: no, it's okay. Yeah.
1: No, but it's, it's just really well put together and they do they're doing such a really good job of making the boats feel lived in. And like you said, like the interpersonal tensions, even if I sometimes kind of go, I really only remember you and you, everyone else is kind of a blur. Um, but the back and forth between that, I think is really good. Um, and it's, it's very gripping and it's very exciting. And which is why, like I've ended up falling like two episodes behind. It was just like, I am not in the mood for this right now. <laughs> I have a lot on my plate, mentally and emotionally, and I don't feel like watching this.
0: Let's not uh, watch so this right before bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. So, like, I carved out the time to make sure that we would, I would be able to do that for this because it's been really good. And we're at, like, the halfway point. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're at the halfway point. A lot of people still have to die. It's going to um, get a lot worse. It's going to get so much worse. Um, so I'm excited to see things get a lot worse,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, me too, yeah, me too. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to Detox Crozer, which works, oh, god, like it's gonna next be next. so good. That's gonna be good. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be so bad, which is why it's gonna be so good. Um, yep. okay, well, oh god, your... uh,
1: Tobias Menzies' character is just gonna be so, so much more petulant. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. Uh, anyway, well, what wins your week in drama and genre? Um, I think I'll give it to Black Lightning this week,
1: Um, just for like a season achievement award. Um mm-hmm. But the finale is also just really, really good and a very good mission statement for the show that hopefully they follow through with uh, going forward. So I'll give it to Black Lightning uh, this week. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I'll, I, I'll co-sign everything you said. Um Now we will take a break and listen to, uh, I think, a trailer, maybe some music. And we'll come back with some our- Vivaldi. Some Vivaldi, yes. Uh, Come back with our uh, spotlight on Chef Sable pastry. When I was in Paris for pastry school, they were pretty clear this was a bad career choice. You're going for a cookie and being like, I know maybe this cookie isn't going to round out my diet, but it's what's going to bring me joy.
1: Sicily is an island with a sweet tooth. Corrado has pastry in his jeans. It's la it's el juego. For him, flavors are like colors. He wants to color with the whole box. The dessert-only restaurant. You know, who wouldn't want to do that? When you taste Corrado's gelato, it's tasting it for the first time.
0: I love baking because it reminds me of my grandma's and it makes that moment in life a little sweeter. Woo! We're gonna have a deep fried Snickers bar, deep fried Twinkies. No judgment. <laughs> Wait, also deep fried chocolate chip cookie dough. I want it. You're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, generated by Noel Kirkpatrick, and this week we are spotlighting the fourth season, or fourth volume, as Netflix seems to be calling it, of Chef's Table, uh, which focuses on pastry. So there's four pastry chefs. There's four episodes. Each is about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, First is on Christina Tazzi from Milk Bar in New York. Um, Then we have Corrado Ascenza. Asenza, yeah, Yeah, Café Cecilia Sic- in Noto, Italy. We have Jordi Roca from El Salvador de Can Roca in uh, Spain, Girona, Spain. And we close things out with Will Goldfarb from Room for Dessert in Ubud, Indonesia. Um, so in Bali, right? <sighs> yes. Yes, we are, We will get there. <laughs> we will get there and I'll never you fear. But I wanted to start. Let's start with an overview. Had you seen any chef's table before this? I think like maybe no. one episode? No.
1: No, I haven't watched any of it. Um, in part because like I like heard people talking about it, but I didn't watch any of it. Um for whatever reason. Netflix's algorithm never like popped this at me. Yeah. Um mainly because I don't watch like a lot of reality apart from Terrace House on Netflix or like cooking stuff on Netflix, so they probably just went, You're not interested in this. Here's some new here the new season of DC's Legends of Tomorrow is here though, and it's just like I already watched all of this Netflix. <laughs> um but yeah, so I hadn't seen any of this um, at all, so and I wasn't even sure what to expect going into it. Um, so yeah, so this like uh, Tozy's episode was my first exposure to this. Sh-
0: okay, and what did you think? What did it, did it work for you, or were, like I, I would much rather watch it more Ugly Delicious personally, but I ended up actually yeah. like I enjoyed some of the the spotlights we got, but it was very dependent on my read or my take on the the chef being featured because if i was willing to go along with them it was very it was it was fun it was interesting it was very light but but you know but i'm someone who enjoys baking a lot so watching them make these different confections obviously is in my wheelhouse but as soon as i had a problem with a chef uh we'll talk a lot about that the fourth episode um it was almost insufferable, like impossible to watch because yeah. th- this show has zero interest in calling out any of these chefs on any of their bullshit and on providing really like, like, on questioning or providing counterexamples and, um, and nuance and context to what they're saying. It really yeah. presents them as authoritative figures, um, who just should. There's no discussion of their work. There's no, like, different – like, there's – each episode has, like, one or two talking heads that aren't the chef. And that's it. And they're not the yeah. same for each one. And so it feels like they they they've got the chef and then they got a, champ, a critical champion of that chef. And, like, that's it. Maybe one other person gets interviewed. And um, that makes for a very one-dimensional documentary.
1: Right. And that's sort of like my biggest problem. Even with like, even putting aside the fact that I think Tozy's episode is the single most enjoyable episode. It's arguably the one that should be the most controversial, given her approach to pastry of like, I use, I use nostalgia very explicitly. I sort of, as uh, they sort of discuss, like deconstructs nostalgia to a certain degree. But the entirety of the Milk Bar Empire is built on. You remember what the best thing about cereal is? It's the milk after you've eaten the cereal already. What if we just do that all the time? And it's just like, all right, that is very cool. And I'm into that. But there's no pushback on this is like an approach to pastry whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's really bizarre to me. And there's nothing about – there's no critical engagement with situating these people necessarily in sort of a larger tradition or in a – um. Or within, like, the trends, ups and downs of pastry as a field. That shifts a little bit with the Goldfarb discussion to a certain degree. Um, which is probably the widest ranging of these three. Um, arguably to the episode's detriment. Um, but it's all kids' gloves. It's all very championing champion of these particular personalities and their particular sort of goals and crusades mm-hmm. um whether it's the um whether it's the nostalgia of dessert something to be enjoyed and relished it's not sustenance but it's what you do to live which i think is a really compelling sort of argument and that's why i think the tozzi's one's the most successful of these four but like ascenza's being driven by a desire to maintain sicily's traditions i think is interesting But it doesn't really tell us anything about his desserts because his entire time of like, I'm going to be bold just immediately flops and he goes back to what works. And then Roka's is just this bizarre intrigue brotherly struggle type thing heightened by the fact that Roka had just gotten off having laryngitis for a year and he's got this massive stage whisper um, that he can only speak through and his whole struggles of coming to understand pastry and coming to understand his family tradition. And it's good, it's interesting, but it's also just... The, again, like there's no context for a lot of these discussions And that's what I was really lacking For a lot of this um, Even as much as I sort of oohed and odd At all the confections that get v- Wonderfully shot And plated for us to watch And they all look gorgeous and Delightful uh, and Some look more playful than others Some look more delicious than others Some I just go I don't understand how to eat that Um <laughs> But I just I wanted a more critical approach than what we got. And I also, frankly, really wanted more women than three dudes and one woman in a season about pastry seems really weird to me. Yeah. And I don't think that that's off base, not knowing doing a really quick skim and that they they basically inverted the ratio. Yeah. And that seems really weird that they just kind of went, oh, well, we found three guys with these massive struggles. So I guess we'll highlight them. And the chick from Milk Bar is kind of what it feels like.
0: Yeah. Because we can get David Chen then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Yeah, they the also just really allied various parts of their narratives if it doesn't fit a simple and straightforward um, three yeah. line. And we see that in Tozies with, like, this this rustic... Cookies and 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 baking for other people and like it's it's very much you know looking at the gender roles of 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 yeah. women in the home and and drawing from that yes. tradition and I love that she celebrates that very actively and very explicitly but they just skip right over the years in pastry school in France like they skip yep. right over all the badassery that she had like the training that she did to get to the point where she is fluent enough in this medium to be able to do the things that she does. And have it be the best cookie you've ever eaten in your entire life. She's not just making a cookie.
1: Or the fact that like crack pie is like something that everyone immediately wants. I mean, it's not like something that you just slap together. Even though she plays it off as, well, I just had this stuff. And it's just like, no, you you, you did just have that stuff. But But you you knew what to do with it. You knew what to do with it. And the reason why it blows like, what's his name's mind is just that because he doesn't have that other training.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um and and that was that was very especially as the only female chef yeah. featured the season, that yeah. was something that really was was bothering me. Um yeah. and and we, I think you also see that in some of these other ones as well. Um you see that definitely in the second episode where it's like, okay, let's just kind of Back away and not really highlight the fact that he gave up his passion to save his family business. They'd mention it, but they they kind of paint it as like a positive thing, you yeah. know, as opposed to a lifelong regret. And then they do that again when, um, when when he wants to go more avant garde and it doesn't sell. Um yeah. And and so instead of embracing and really examining this idea of of that chef molding himself to what the society and his, yeah. his customer base needs and wants and and then finding within that new ways to be inspired instead of drawing that like look how impressive it is that this guy he tried to do this finding fulfillment in this one way but he wasn't able to do it and you know life's hard sometimes you got to make choices and so this is how he've managed to read like i think they could have really embraced that part of the narrative more and and it would have been more interesting and, and also just more honest but yep. um they they don't want honesty necessarily they want a very candy colored and th- straightforward through line and that uh you know we get a little less of that in the third episode and that's because it's sure. <laughs> the rocas and they the brothers are there and they just call him out on his bullshit they're like yeah no he was terrible he was very <laughs> he was in, super entitled he wasn't doing his job he would just half-ass everything spoiled brat like because there is family yeah. They feel comfortable to say that, and, and, and it's part of the, like, the, oh, look how charming this family is kind of thing that the yeah. show is going for in that episode. Then we get to the fourth episode. Yeah, and Will Goldfarb
1: is the subject of the fourth episode, and I texted
0: you about this. Yeah, he's <sighs> incredibly freaking insufferable. He's, like, the, the, like, if you had to talk about white male privilege, sis mm-hmm. had white male privilege, uh, he's just a perfect example like, yeah. dude, no one's saying you didn't work your ass off, but you you worked your ass off to do to achieve what you have, and you also were super privileged, and you don't seem to understand that or have any interest in that. He's so yeah. entitled. He's so he's so full of himself. And uh, but is
1: cooking so much more serene now. Oh okay? my God! He's now just, that he's with he's the simple natives in Bali, simp- right? He's he's humbled by. The the locals and the lifestyle in Bali. And, I mean, it's paradise, really, because he's got access to everything. And his tasting menu costs about $40 US. For dessert. Yeah, for, like, five desserts.
0: Yeah. So who's got the money for that, first of all? um In this quaint little village full of people who are just working their day-to-day lives and they don't have all the BS. Like, that BS in New York you're talking about, that's... Uh, that allows your called your your like fifty dollar forty dollar tasting menu to exist, because you yeah. got people with enough money because of all the BS that they're dealing with. It you know inflates all of that to support that. And um, yeah, he also doesn't like. It's like I was staying at home and my wife was supporting us when we had a baby. It's like, wait, your wife made enough money at her job that she could support your entire family and you were able to stay home with your infant. Oh, boo hoo! I mean, like it doesn't mean that that's not necessarily what what is he suited for? What he would make him happy? But that is not the worst situation to be in. You were still yeah. being managed, managing to like by their by the way he phrases it and the way the show edits that that conversation. It sounds like they were making ends meet. It might have been tight, but he was able to stay at home with his yeah. kid. While after he got fired, it wasn't like we were broke and we needed to move. It was we needed a change, and maybe he's that's him like smoothing over some rough edges of a difficult, you know, challenging time in their life. But that is certainly not how it's painted. And to watch this guy, be I mean, like describing all of these different desserts he was doing. And, and this, these very avant-garde desserts he was doing it before his... And avant-garde
1: experiences. We experiences. should
0: also... Experiences. A dessert yeah. where one of the elements of the dessert is a spray of salt water in your face. Um, none of them sound good. They don't sound good. They don't sound interesting. They're poorly reviewed. He... Like, and and he has the gall to talk about how he wasn't really interested in food that had to, you know, like, taste good, man. They only wanted food that, like, was pleasant to eat. Like, that's a bad thing. Go, just go cool off and go away from me because that is ridiculous. Feeling like you should be entitled to do whatever job, make whatever food you want at this restaurant um it doesn't matter if it tastes good as long as it piques your m- m- white dude genius your 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 brilliant mind that nobody understands cuz you're such a rebel man like I've got no time for this dude.
1: And then people came to understand me and then I just got really full of myself and yeah and then and I was so, a dick. <laughs> yeah, I was a dick and now now I'm, I'm charging people in a major in a village in a town of 300 of 30,000 people. 40 bucks a plate for my tasting menu yeah yep and no so it's it's very aggressively and it feels very much sort of by design that goldfarb and um are the bookends basically Mm -hmm. of like she goes very whole hog on this approach of Dessert is sustenance, but not in an avant-garde or in a... It's supposed to be delivered in a way that makes you feel good and comfortable and loved. Mm-hmm. And Goldfarb's entire thing is like, eh, well, let's push past all that nonsense and think about this. And so there's there's a counterpoint to all of that, with the exception of the fact that he also becomes very snobby about what a pastry chef should be doing. <laughs> yeah. To the po- And since all of Tozy's stuff is founded in. I just use cereal. That's pre-processed food. And Goldfarb's probably like. That's not baking. That's not pastry. You have to go get the vanilla from the thing.
0: Yeah. Right
1: here. If you don't have that. Then why are you using it? Yeah. And it's just like. Oh. You, you sweet. You sweet giant baby man child. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well. And the thing is. The show thinks that he has the same narrative through line. Or like thematic. Endpoint point that she does because yeah. he talks about like now he doesn't have to deal with all that that new york bs meaning he doesn't have to deal with anyone's expectations of him or delivering right. on his on his promises uh to his business partners it's great yeah. when you can be your own boss um but uh but because it's all about like Food in the making stuff directly for that person, that experience, and that moment is what's important. It's like, yeah, but you know, you're really not addressing or thinking about who is this mo- moment for. as we were yeah. talking about this before, and you're like, who is that restaurant for? Yeah, who are you actually serving? Because I guarantee right. you, his employees, the people that are that he goes and gets his hand-picked co- cacao beans that he then processes fresh himself, they can't afford forty bucks a night of dessert. So yeah. who is this? It's, who is this for?
1: Right, and that's some. That's one of the larger issues that kind of comes through, and you can in you can suss it out based on. Basically, this also again comes back down to taste cultures and taste hierarchies of. The Cafe Cecilia and Milk Bar are very clearly situated in a particular sort of milieu. Mm -hmm. Of Like Milk Bar is very much a is depicted as a place that people line up for to get cookies and ice cream and this kind of a thing. And anyone can do that. Like there's not a table per se. It's just six people in a stall next to Momofuku um cafe sicilia is basically sort of like the center of noto in a lot of ways like people come here for breakfast they get some bread they get some shaved ice or whatever it was and that's sort of what they do there's some really good gelato but it's again implied to be deeply part of the community the- it's part of the community which is the whole bent of that episode of like him again trying to maintain sicilian production of certain products um, but then we get to Roca and Goldfarb, and it's very clearly positioned as these are upper class, we have Michelin stars, goddammit, mm-hmm. um, type of establishments, and we can't ruin these with bad desserts, Jordy. We can't ruin that. <laughs> um, so, like, the entire idea of that gets baked into, pun totally unintended here, gets baked <laughs> into this. And so, but the show itself doesn't feel necessarily interested and exploring that kind of a taste culture of, well, who's pastry for? What's the philosophy of pastry when you're doing it this way as opposed to that way? And so there's just so much left unexamined here that the show is vehemently not interested in, again, discussing what these chefs are necessarily doing within their particular context, apart from Goldfarb, because it's baked into his whole rising star falling star now man striking it out on his own <laughs>
0: not <laughs>
1: concerned <laughs> with not concerned with what you think in the new yorker except please come to my restaurant in bali if you have the money yeah
0: yeah well and and uh well you know if you don't have access to cacao in your backyard then don't even bother cooking with chocolate and don't call yourself a pastry chef and is he the one that says that all dessert has to be chocolate or is that somebody else is that roca uh, no, he doesn't
1: say all dessert has to be chocolate, but that, like, chocolate is, like, the basis of, of like, desserts. All
0: desserts, yeah, which yeah. I think that Tazi would not necessarily agree with. Um, well, I also... think it's
1: more of a thing, like, we think of chocolate first. Okay. Yeah.
0: Not not everyone does. No, not everyone does, yeah. but I think
1: that's, like, where their yeah, approach they're from. It's either roca or Goldfarb, either it's way. It's one yeah.
0: of those two. Um, but this my question for goldfarb is: in, okay, what is the rest of the world supposed to do if there's no point in even cooking desserts that use spices or use vanilla or use chocolate if you can't get it from your backyard are they just so the rest of the world just shouldn't have dessert no because
1: obviously because then you just have to automatically go to room for dessert
0: you just have to fly to bali there you You just have
1: to fly to bali and that's obviously what he's advocating for really no i think it's just i understand where he's coming from in a He's just going about it in sort of a pure jackass the sort of way. way you
0: can yeah. right?
1: No, it's like it's very much like it's grounded in issues of sustainability and farm-to-table type of issues, and a, a shift away from like an industrial food complex. Mm-hmm. But he goes about it in such an asshole way <laughs> yep. that it just comes off as a an extension of his elitism that. Mm-hmm you that the show wants you to think that he's no longer doing because he's in this simpler place this place that doesn't demand anything of him yeah and it's just well, no he's still being a, he's still that elitist asshole who thought spraying sea salt water in people's face while they were blindfolded was a good idea and mm-hmm. that things that don't taste good well fuck you taste it's just like <laughs> No, he's doing the same thing. He's just doing it in that same sort of again, like you said, wide entitled jerk sort of way.
0: Yeah. Anyways, we were not fans of him, um, yeah. but I was. I I did like the uh, Tazi's thing about um, the cake and icing the cake. I like <sighs> so I, good. I loved that, and yeah. and just you know, again, watching the craft of the the different chefs making these things was yeah. was, was fun. And this was nowhere near what I would have hoped it to be but i did enjoy my time with several of the chefs and um i i, I don't think i'll seek out more chef's table but I, I could see if they if they featured a chef i liked yes. that i was interested in then then i would absolutely seek out that episode um but if the like it's just it's so it's such a fawning look at these figures with no just no curiosity really um about why and how they are the way they are and when they're back like with with a few exceptions but like what is some while they're doing this stuff what is the shop around the corner doing and how does that relate and is somebody else doing these challenging dishes in in italy but just not in noto and like you know like what yeah i think they're i mean they they
1: they do that they're just like oh that gelato's for the tourists
0: (laughs) okay so, like, yeah. I, I would have liked more curiosity, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. I, I'm glad for the conversation, if only so that we yeah. could talk about what a jackass this. Uh, Wolf, uh, uh, Goldfarb comes off as in this uh, in this yeah. episode. Um, so thank you, Noel. A few I show notes it. here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com, and you can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed, as well as over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate rating some reviews uh, if you have a moment. It helps us know if you're actually listening out there or what you think. Um, and of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are?
1: At Noel RK.
0: And thank you once again, Noel. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.